0: Hello, listeners. This is Britt. I'm flying solo today, but I'm excited to have Logan McDonald joining me today to talk about her recent post on the Kickstarter blog, Upgrading Kickstarter to Rails 5. Welcome to the show, Logan. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your technical background?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I didn't start out in school studying computer science. I actually studied economics. Um, but when I was in school, I got really into statistical programming, and it ended up being my favorite part of, uh, of what I studied. So the year after I graduated college, I did a program in Seattle called Ada Developers Academy, which is a year-long program that has an internship built into it. Um, so I got to do an internship at Chef Software, which made me really interested in DevOps and like the Ops side of software development. Uh, And so I applied for Ops jobs coming out of that program and got a job at Kickstarter as an operations engineer.
0: That's really cool. And so I'm guessing um, from Kickstarter, that's how you got involved in Ruby and Rails? Yeah,
1: actually the program in Seattle, um, Ada Developers Academy, concentrates mostly on Ruby on Rails. And uh, I had the opportunity when I was at Chef in 2016 to go to RailsConf for the first time. Um, and I was an opportunity scholar and if anyone is interested in this in the scholarship program It's like so amazing like changed my experience as a developer And I if you have the opportunity to be a guide to I would highly recommend that And I just fell in love with rails and the community and I, when I was looking for companies that I wanted to work at I was looking specifically for jobs that focused on rails and Kickstarter uses rails
0: That's awesome. And I also agree. um, The applications for guides and for scholars is still open for the Rails comp that's upcoming in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in April. So I definitely agree that you should check that out. So um, let's dig into the post that you wrote because I think it's incredibly interesting. So a lot of the listeners that are listening right now are likely still riding the 4.1 and 4.2 Ruby on Rails train. So I'd really like to find out why did Kickstarter decide it was time to upgrade to Rails 5?
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna give you my uh, political answer <laughs> that I think you can give to managers or like higher ups, and then I'll give you like my developer answer. Um, so the answer that I would give to like if you're arguing for your organization to do an upgrade to Rails five is the the number one thing is security. So after um, came out no more security releases are going to be available were available for 4.2. They still do patch for like incredibly severe ones but they pretty much explicitly said that 4.2 is quote-unquote unsupported Um, and this is just going to continue to be a problem like when 5.2 comes out and I I expect when 6 comes out like 4.2 will be dropped entirely. Um, So that's like my big answer Uh, but my answers for like developers is really like one, you don't want to get too far behind. Like Rails upgrades move really fast and before you know it, like we'll be on six. Um, another benefit of staying with the times is like what kind of pushed us in this direction was 5.1 coming out and seeing like all the RailsConf talks about 5.1 and getting really excited about stuff that was in it and being like, oh, we're we're all the way back on 4.2, like this isn't even in our near future. Um, and then uh, the biggest one for me is that an upgrade is really an audit of the entire application, and it's a great time to practice cross education of your app, especially if it's a legacy app. Um, at Kickstarter, we have this motto specifically on the dev team that's always be upgrading, and it's kind of built out of a motto that the organization has at large that's always be learning. Like we love to progress, we want to stay up with like what the most recent developments are. Um, yeah, so security is the big one, but like developer happiness is definitely uh, close behind.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say that always be upgrading is a much more positive attitude than move fast and break things. So (laughs) (laughs) I might be appealing to my boss about having that scrawled onto our walls because we are also on 5.1 and prepping for 5.2. And I completely agree with my experience as well as when we went to go and upgrade our application, we discovered that there were just a lot of parts that we went to upgrade that weren't being used anymore. And so it was a great opportunity to drop gem dependencies, drop old code, drop Old API keys, anything. So Absolutely. yeah, I completely agree with you.
1: Yeah, it was it's kind of interesting. Like I'm coming from the perspective of site reliability and operations, so it, it comes a little more naturally to me. Um, I really enjoyed taking on this project, even though it was more like platform side, code side. Um, but yeah, the always be upgrading thing is definitely uh, close to my heart. Coming from infrastructure. <laughs>
0: Excellent. And so for those of you who have not had a chance to read Logan's blog post, and this is the one time I'm going to say this, but you can pause the episode and go uh, look up, <laughs> go to the Kickstarter blog. It's uh, Upgrading Kickstarter to Rails 5 is the title. But if you haven't had, uh, had a chance to read it over, uh, Logan, would you mind telling us briefly the 12 sets you took to get to a successful upgrade? Because I think these are so key.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I will as quickly as I can list out 12 things. Um, so I'll actually start with step zero, which was before we even started, we decided we were going to make success metrics for what we thought a successful upgrade even meant. And I talked about this in the blog, but it includes a timely upgrade. So this couldn't drag out for forever, uh, limited downtime due to the four, two compatible changes we needed to make, limited downtime due to the upgrade itself. And then as I mentioned before, like cross training and education and an audit. Um, And then the 12 steps that we actually took to do the upgrade, uh, the first was we made incremental upgrades. And this is a recommendation that's uh, in the Rails um, upgrade guide, that you should always upgrade your patches first, and then your minor version, and then the major version. So the summer before this, we had upgraded 4.1 to 4.2. And then right before I did the 5 upgrade, I upgraded 4.2 to the most recent patch and then I upgraded our Ruby. Um, We were actually on a compatible Rails 5 version. We were on Ruby 2.2, but I bumped it up to 2.4 as kind of like a test run for the Rails upgrade. And then uh, the second step is that you scope all of the work based off of the release notes. Rails has incredible documentation and great release notes, uh, so using those to kind of see where your problem areas are gonna be is really important. And then, you know, you just upgrade. Just do it. Uh, so we just upgraded the gem itself, and immediately you'll, immediately you'll run into a bunch of dependency issues, and mm-hmm. you just got to work through those. Um, then we merged any low-hanging fruit that was compatible with 4.2 already. Uh, then we used our tests to make our CI green, which was the longest part of the process. We had pretty good test coverage. so. We were able to, like, once we got CI completely green, have some assurance that, like, we were pretty close to the end. Uh, then I went through and removed all noticeable 5.1 deprecation changes just to, like, clean up our tests so when people ran them, they weren't getting deprecation, uh, warnings all over the place. Then we did a smoke test of all major flows on the site, which, that was probably the part that we needed the most, like, developer buy-in from different teams we backported everything to master that we could from the final stage so our pr for just rails ended up as just rails 5 ended up being pretty slim because we were able to merge a lot of the stuff ahead of time then we found reviewers and a team for testing all of the remaining rails 5 prs that couldn't be merged into master we set aside a day on a weekend to push the branch to staging and smoke test everything there and then finally we merged and deployed the, uh, the upgrade of just the gem and we hoped for the best so that we didn't need to roll back. And finally we made sure to do a retrospective and review and dealt with any fallout issues that came from the merge and deploy.
0: Do you feel from that retrospective and review that your team is gonna be more prepared then to go to Rails 6? Do you feel that you've built like a very solid process in order to keep upgrading further in the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I had never so our team had never done a project retrospective like this before. And I hadn't either. But um, after we did the upgrade, like there were so many stakeholders that personally, I just wanted to thank for being part of it and making it happen. So I wanted to almost have like a end of like getting to rails five party. And I also also coming from site reliability, like we're really used to postmortems. And so instead of having a postmortem, we just had like a huge project retrospective, and we made a ton of good documentation about lessons learned, which is what the blog post actually came out of. Um, yeah, so absolutely, like after you do an upgrade, I think having a retrospective is really great.
0: I think that's fantastic, and as you detailed in the blog. You had a separate team that was in charge of the upgrade. So I'd love to know, was it difficult to maintain writing new features while one team was just focused on the upgrade? Was it hard to keep porting those over to the new newer version? Like, how did that work?
1: Uh, in short, yes, <laughs> um, and I think that c- having to like backboard all of those things and understanding the importance of like merging everything you could to master came out of that, because it started with just me like upgrading the gem on my own branch and working on it for about a week, and then like trying to pull down master and it just being chaos inside of I'm my sure. branch. Yeah, <laughs> so i <I'm> was just <laughs> like, okay, like this, there needs to be a different way. Um, Besides that, like once it came to that realization and like started backporting a bunch of things, that made it a lot easier. Um, but the one thing I don't know if you ran into this that was like so hard for us was um, in Rails five, the controller tests use keyword arguments in the actual yes. controller test case. Uh, and it's
0: <laughs> there's no find and replace for that. Oh my at all. God, there's no find and replace for it.
1: <laughs> and people kept adding tests with like the old language. So I'd like oh, come to no. one of our biggest, you know, and we like a lot of monolith apps, like we have some like our projects controller test is just mm-hmm. like massive. It's constantly being added to. Um, so I'd like come to it after a couple of days of having cleaned up all of those test cases and pulled down the new thing and just like the deprecation warnings would like blow up in my console. Um, so that, that was definitely the hardest one uh, to, to deal with, which is funny because it's like such a cosmetic change.
0: It is, but you're, you're completely right. and there was not any sort of band-aid patch either to just get it across. Uh, it was it was a break like right. Right instantly as you upgraded. So yeah. now that's great. Okay.
1: Well, well, one other one other thing I wanted to yeah. say is that I don't know if you use this, but we used flags mm-hmm. for um, Rails five versus four so that we could like oh. have. I I don't know that I would recommend using this a lot, but like you can have detection of like which gem is running. So we made PRs that we can merge to master that was like if it's Rails four, like use this old patch, and if it's Rails five, like use this new one. And we did oh, that for neat. things yeah, things that were especially um, important, like little edge cases that we really wanted a lot of engineer eyes on. So like mm. if it's a PR that's going into master, like you're guaranteed more people are going to look at it than if it's a PR going off the Rails 5 branch, you know, into that branch. Um, so using that selectively was also helpful.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Well, excellent. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from one of our sponsors. On the other side, we're going to dig into rollbacks, error tracking, Rails 5 benefits, and an exciting update as to what Logan's up to now.
2: This week's episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Rollbar. So we all deal with errors, errors in our applications, errors in our mobile applications, errors in our lives... Last one, Rollbar can't help you with, but the first two, it's going to be pretty good. Instead of relying on users to report your errors or digging through log files or tailing logs as things happen, with Rollbar's error monitoring, you get the full stack trace, context, and the user data to help you find and fix impactful errors fast. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow, you can send alerts to Slack or HipChat, or you can automatically create new issues in Jira, Pivotal Tracker, or Trello. You can add the Rollbar Ruby SDK as easy as gem install Rollbar, start tracking application errors in minutes there's a ton of cool features in uh, rollbars ruby gem the one that i'm most interested in is deep linking into your github repos. so if you've ever seen an error with a traceback and you uh trying to figure out what exactly is going on you can just link into your github repo so you can click on the stack trace and go to exactly where you're going Um, If you use any rack framework, you automatically get parameters, headers, session data, cookies, things like that. It supports queue frameworks out of the box, so sidekick, rescue, and delayed job. And you can also configure Rollbar's front-end JavaScript SDK without having to install it manually we have a special offer for listeners if you go to rollbar.com slash ruby you can sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free rollbar is loved by developers at awesome companies like heroku twilio kayak zendesk twitch and more so go to rollbar.com slash ruby sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free thanks so much to rollbar for sponsoring the podcast and now back to the show
0: we're back. (laughs) So, um, did your team consider deprecation warnings in the test suite's failures as you were doing the upgrade? You alluded that, you know, the controller parameters and controller tests were causing a lot of warnings. Um, so what did you consider deprecations as you were upgrading?
1: Yeah. Um, we didn't consider deprecation warnings that like came after the gem upgrade that were warning us about five, one as, uh, as failures, and I'd say those were like most of the deprecation warnings. Um, I, just because I'm like, re- really like to be neat, I don't like seeing those warnings in my output at all. So I, I really like tried to get rid of most of them. But there were a couple things I tried to like not be too overzealous with are like the epic PR. So for example, we didn't incorporate application record until after the upgrade. I, I'm curious if you took like a similar, um, similar tact with that? Like, did you do application record, like the big overarching, overarching class changes, like, in your initial upgrade?
0: Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I, we're kind of similar to how you are, we, we have several different apps that we're maintaining. We have one heavy, heavy app, and then we have a, a lighter app. And so the lighter app, I was able to pretty much do all the upgrades at once, including application record, and not really worry too much about any sort of downtime or anything that could have happened with the the larger app we've successfully crossed over to 51 but i continue to do cosmetic work of going backwards and cleaning things up getting deprecations out and then just really trying to prep it for 52 mm-hmm. um, every once in a while i'll try to take some time and i'll actually upgrade it to the next version just to see what's going to happen just like kind of as a ghost of future <laughs> future yeah no that's a great idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah just to know what uh, what kind of has uh handful i have like already i know that with rails 52 um, has many has a change in it and mm-hmm. we use has many a lot and so the fact that that's going to change in 5.2 just means that I'm mentally prepared to know that the upgrade is not going to be as smooth as 5.0 to five one. Yeah, i I'm considering 5.2 almost like a, like a breaking big upgrade which is fine but it, it I think will come with some really great features we're really excited about active storage and so too, um, yeah. it's going to be worth it for yeah. sure um, yeah. So speaking of uh, big upgrades, I really appreciated the fact that as part of your steps, you practiced, practiced a rollback. I, I firmly believe that if you have a rollback plan, then you won't need it. Okay. It's when you don't have a rollback plan is <laughs> when you need to do a rollback. And so when you initially deployed Rails 5, you, you did experience some errors in production. So um, how close were you to rolling back or did you just know that you were going to be able to chug through those errors?
1: Yeah, so when I first started seeing the alerts go off, and I was like blessed to have this team around me and like we made sure we did it at a time when like everyone on that team was going to be in the office or available. Um, Yeah, when we first started seeing the alerts go off, though, I panicked slightly, but uh, I think this uh, helps having some site reliability experience, um, for sure. Ah, uh, because we kind of are trained that you triage and you access, uh, you assess the impact as fast as possible. And when we did that, and I understood um, that there wasn't going to be a full outage and that the user experience like was diminished on a, for a couple of our features, but it wasn't taking the full site down, um, then I knew we were going to be okay. Our our biggest problem is we had some. Syntax uh, errors around action controller params in our in mm-hmm. one of our jobs, so the job queue just started filling up with failed jobs, um, and I knew if we didn't like, we couldn't wait forever to do it because then like Sidekick was gonna fall down. But like we oh, had yes. some some time, and we knew what the problem was, so it was easier to fix it than it was to like do a full rollback. But I think you're absolutely right, like. Having a plan is key, and it makes you feel better and more confident when you know you have a plan and you often don't need it.
0: Absolutely. I'm always that person who's saying, like, we have a rollback plan, and I'm saying it to someone who's completely calm, but I'm saying it just to calm myself down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so
0: just being able to do that for sure. Um, When we did our major upgrade from Rails 2 to Rails Four, we went from rails two to rails 4 two all at once.
1: whoa
0: yeah that was yeah. <laughs> that was a fun time. I mean it was pretty much a brand new site but it wasn't. so um we did it on a Sunday morning and so it was incredibly gratifying but we had so many rollback plans ready to go just mm-hmm. in case something were to go wrong and you know we had some errors but nothing that was so critical that we couldn't just keep pushing forward. so that's great.
1: I also ask you do, you do you have like canary releases at all like the ability to release to 10% and roll out slowly? That is a
0: great question. We use AWS CodeDeploy, so we have that as an option, but we have yet to do it. So that's a good idea for when we do go from Rails 5.1 to 5.2. I suspect that Kickstarter runs on a, a lot more servers than our nonprofit does, but... That, that sounds really cool. Do you mind talking about it a little bit? Is yeah, that totally. It's that something that introduced?
1: We, it's something that we don't have. <laughs> so oh, I'm very okay. jealous <laughs> of people who do have that. Uh, yeah, it's not built into our deployment infrastructure, but mm-hmm. like I said, um, there were a couple of places for the non-Rails 5 but like 4.2 compatible things that were bigger changes um, that mm-hmm. just had to do with like edge cases in our app, not really anything specific to Rails 5, just things we needed to clean up to prepare for it. And we were able to use feature flags to roll those out um, to make sure that they didn't like completely crash the site. But just doing the gem upgrade, we had to do it all at once because that's oh, how yes. our
0: deployments work. <laughs> gotcha. We're we're exactly the same.
1: <laughs> yeah. Super jealous of people who can do canaries. So awesome. I am as well.
0: <laughs> now we have goals. <laughs> So, uh, with the technical side of the company clearly on board with the upgraders team, how involved was the rest of the company in the upgrade? Was it a celebration when you got across across the entire company, or were you just crossing your fingers that no one noticed that the uh, two major services went through this upgrade?
1: Yeah, the part of the company besides engineering and product that we work really closely with is community support, which is what we call like basically our customer support, and we had them pretty involved in the process. They knew about like all of our deploys to staging, and I gave them a heads up like the week before, we did this on a Monday morning, um, that we were going to do this deploy, and then they were also super instrumental in when we started to experience issues, um, to work with them to make sure the breaking changes that we had were prioritized in order of user impact, because community support is the closest to your users. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would, I think having a good relationship with community support and including them on any anything that might include downtime is um, really important. And then, as I mentioned before, uh, we had a project retrospective at the end, and that actually wasn't just product or engineers; that was open to the entire company, um, and people from like legal came, and a lot of people from community support came. So That's yeah, that was awesome. That's incredibly
0: cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, that's I think really neat that people from legal would come and that it was e- even just open to the entire company. So everyone must have been very aware of it. A, a big upgrade happened and that there there was cause for celebration. So I think that's fantastic. Now, um, once you did do the upgrade, did you see any performance benefits or were you able to take advantage of any features or were you able to get rid of any gems that you gained from upgrading both Ruby and Rails? Yeah, so probably
1: the biggest performance, uh, increase that I like actually saw on dashboards was more from upgrading Ruby, um, Ruby in 2.2, which is like what rails requires it to be has a new incremental garbage collector that helps reduce memory consumption in the rails application. So you could like actually see that in requests on, um, on like our new relic dashboards. Other than that, like, I read a lot before I did this upgrade about performance increases. Uh, one that I particularly liked was that Richard uh, Schneeman had a great PR about the increased benchmark for URL4, and we use that a ton. Um, so I don't think it was like something that I ever like looked up after to see if we had that increased speed, but it was like something I used to argue for this upgrade happening. Um, also just like forcing some new t- syntax. Uh, Throughout the app was great, like, as we talked about before, this was really an audit anytime you do an upgrade. Um, And then in terms of gems, like, we were definitely able to get rid of some gems just by, like, I literally read every single gem in our gem file and, like, looked at its changelog just because (laughs) anything could have been breaking, you know? um, And also I had a bunch of mystery deprecation messages, and I'm like, this is coming from some gem like something in some gem somewhere. So doing an audit of all of that, like there were definitely some things we were no longer using, or were just like super old and not necessary. And even a lot of gems that we ourselves had made and hosted Mm. that uh, were on a super old version of like active support or something. Oh, Um,
0: interesting. So you ended up having to even upgrade your own dependencies (laughs) that were with underneath your open source umbrella. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, there were probably about five. Um, we even had we had some like funny things, like people who were no longer at the company had like made gems under their GitHub account. No. So I had to go like, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna fork this like to ours now. <laughs> so a couple old coworkers uh, kind of were like, Oh, hey, I see you're doing an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you're just telling me that your open source cred just went up a ton during this upgrade. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I was going to ask if if any of them had been older maintainers, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's and cool.
1: And then uh, you had asked about features. Um, yeah. And essentially, like, I don't really know that I have that many features, like big features in Rails 5 that um, drew us to doing this in particular, uh, there were just like lots of cool things that developers on our team would hear about and be really excited about. And we're like, oh, we're not there yet. Um, for example, like one of the things that caused us problems—the action cor- uh, controller parameters no longer inheriting uh, from mm-hmm. hash within different access—I think is super cool because it forces you to make your param permissions more explicit, which we mm-hmm. definitely needed. Um, and syntax, in, uh, the or syntax in queries was pretty cool. So. Yeah, there's no like specific draw, but like the devil's in the details for sure in this upgrade. Lots of the hard part things. for
0: us is when we had to fully go across the strong parameters because it was completely mm-hmm. dropped after Rails 4. And so well yep. not strong parameters, but um, mass assignment at our accessor. And so Ooh, yeah. We protected attributes basically. So when we crossed over we we use a CMS that will auto-generate the parameters. And so you don't know what the parameters are going to be. So in order to whitelist them, it was very tricky. And so that was probably the harshest failures that we had jumping from Rails four to five. Um I we my coworker and I uh maintain this uh art project on the side, and that's where we're getting to use Action Cable. We have hopes and dreams of being able to use Action Cable in production on our main app but we just haven't gotten to it yet so we were excited about that feature and we haven't gotten to take advantage of encrypted secrets though encrypted secrets are changing in rails 5.2 so i feel kind of lucky that we didn't do it in 5.1 so but <laughs> um, worked out quite nicely
1: yeah something i wanted to point out that what you said earlier is mm-hmm. um we have some developers who are, like incredibly excited about active storage and, like want to be using that. and that would be a huge draw. like that's a feature that is definitely important for us. Um, and now like we couldn't have done that before on 42. like we would have had to do a major upgrade anyway and mm-hmm. we're so much closer to 52 now. So it kind of comes back to the like always be upgrading. Like even if there's not one feature that is drawing you to it, like there's probably going to be something in the next minor versions that you really want.
0: I completely agree. I think active storage alone is worth getting up to five two. I completely agree. And we're we're in process of Jumping to Ruby 2.5 just because there is going to be a nice performance bump on that, so it's, it was easy to convince you know stakeholders at my company that we we need to go to Ruby 2.5. We just gave it a little bit of time after the release. I do love that Ruby is always released on Christmas, so it's it's a nice little present each year. Um, but I'm looking forward to doing that and having that having Ruby 2.5 ready to go, and then going to Rails 5.2. It's very odd being on the bleeding edge when, as I mentioned before, we were on Rails 2. So feels well, nice. Well, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one last fun question. Um, you mentioned in your blog post that your payments app is named Rosie. Would you like to share as to where that name came from?
1: Yeah. So I did not name this at all, but uh, it's named after the Jetsons robot, Rosie, like the made robot. Um, I think it's because the robot manages all of our payments, and it's like, it was used to take some of the code out of our Kickstarter app and keep things super organized. So oh. they named it after that robot.
0: I like that. I yeah. think that's a really like friendly name to have for a
1: payments app. Yeah, I also Rosie is just like a nice name. It is name. a
0: nice name for sure. Um, so as I mentioned before, uh, Logan definitely shares a lot of great advice in her post. So be sure to read that also, um, rumor has it that you are moving on to an exciting new gig. Um, can you tell us about it?
1: Yeah. And a couple weeks I'm starting at Buzzfeed as a site reliability engineer and I'm super excited about it. Unfortunately, they don't use rails. So I'm very sad to be leaving my home, but I think, I think it'll be like a good opportunity.
0: Oh, absolutely. And as you've mentioned with, you know, visiting RailsConf and just the Ruby and Rails community, everyone is so friendly. You never really leave. You're always going to be one of us. Absolutely. <laughs> so no matter that's what you're that's good to on, know. That
1: warms my heart.
0: <laughs> definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you listeners for tuning in. Um, have a great night and we will talk to you soon. Thank you all.